Hello and welcome to Yitcast episode 6 here, recorded live at the Sound Lab. This is Head of School Dan Glass with you exploring the Souls curriculum once again in this post-Yom Kippur edition of the Yidcast. Uh, I hope all of you who are listening have had a, an interesting and reflective and uh, powerful uh, high holidays, the days of awe as they are sometimes called. Um, so on this particular Thursday here, we uh, the world awoke to the news that uh, the great Bob Dylan had been named uh, a the Nobel Prize winner, a Nobel laureate in literature, which um, for anyone who uh, loves literature, loves music, loves American culture and history. Uh, pretty significant, uh, pretty significant thing for him to have won that prize. His name, I think, he had been nominated quite a few times over the years, and uh, the fact that he was actually able to win it is is a big deal. So, in his honor, then I'm going to read. Um, it's our tradition as. You, uh, the loyal listeners of the Yudcast, know it's our tradition to to start out with a poem. So I'm actually going to read from Bob Dylan's book Tarantula, which is a book of poems that he published in 1966. Uh, it's, I would say, I would I would probably say it's more interesting uh, from the perspective of Bob Dylan, the uh, songwriter and musician, than it is. Poetically, it certainly uh, borrows of um, the the sort of automatic writing beat tradition, uh, the kind of first thought, best thought that uh, Ginsburg and Kerouac and others were espousing uh, at the time. But so I'm going to read the end of a poem um, from Tarantula uh, that is called "Subterranean Homesick Blues and the Blonde Waltz." Um, the literary historian in me is certainly curious as to where this falls relative to the writing of the song Subterranean Homesick Blues, which uh, came out in 1965, just before this book. Uh, I don't know the relationship between the two, but this is the end uh, of that poem. Where I live now, the only thing that keeps the area going is tradition. As you can figure out, It doesn't count very much. Everything around me rots. I don't know how long it has been this way, but if it keeps up, soon I will be an old man, and I am only 15. The only job around here is mining, but Jesus, who wants to be a miner? I refuse to be part of such a shallow death. Everybody talks about the Middle Ages as if it was actually in the Middle Ages. I'll do anything to leave here. My mind is running down the river. I'd sell my soul to the elephant. I'd cheat the sphinx. I'd lie to the conqueror. Though you might not take this the right way, I would even sign a chain with the devil. Please don't send me any more grandfather clocks. No more books or care packages. If you're going to send me something, send me a key. I shall find the door to where it fits if it takes me the rest of my life. Your friend, friend. Uh... 
So that's the end of Subterranean Homesick Blues and the Blonde Waltz. Uh, obviously, Subterranean Homesick Blues, the poem version, not the song version. Um, and uh, a lot of the poems, the majority of the poems in Tarantula end in that kind of epistolary mode. Uh, they're all signed different names. It's an interesting book, a weird one, uh, but an interesting one. Um, and uh, a fitting way to honor... Uh, Nobel Prize winner Bob Dylan uh, today on the day after Yom Kippur. So um, this week's Word of the Week, we're going to be uh, thinking about the um, the term from the Hebrew Bible, Hineni, uh, which means here I am. Um, but uh, before we get there, we're going to talk a little bit about Helen McDonald's book, H's for Hawk. Um, so over the years, I've been lucky to be in a few uh, really excellent book clubs, one that, that was a really long-standing one that I believe is still going in the East Bay um, that meant monthly and uh, had a very formalized way of engaging with the books that I found really uh, useful. Um, and I've always liked the book clubs that I've been in uh, because if, if I don't have that deadline looming, it's often the case for me that I won't actually get to, to reading novels. They'll kind of just sit on my shelf or on my bedside table really until the summer. And usually in the summer, I can, I'm pretty good about making some time to uh, get through a few novels. But I like being in book clubs because it, it means that I'm keeping regularly up with fiction uh, or literary nonfiction and not only reading poetry or books about teaching and learning, which tend to be um, my more typical all-the-time fare. This uh, current book club that I'm in has uh, been going for a few years now, and uh, it actually lives entirely online. So um, some years back, uh, my dear friend uh, Jesse, who's been uh, my best friend since kindergarten at Berkwood Hedge in, uh, in Berkeley, um, he and I were in this uh, physical book club that I just spoke of um, back in the East Bay together, and then we, you know, scattered to the winds, and uh, he lives in New York City now, and a few years ago, we realized the technology was such that it was probably now possible to have an online book club in a way that would feel uh, real and engaging, and so uh, we started having this book club uh, via Google Hangouts. Um, where we meet and uh, discuss a book generally once once a month um, and and Google Hangouts is actually is actually great for that so um, that is is the current life of my book club and one of the things that's really nice about it is that when folks are uh, in different places so one of our friends who is in this book club is a professor at St. Mary's College and he's on a sabbatical year in Nicaragua this year and he is able to continue participating in the book club from Nicaragua which is pretty cool uh, so this month we've been reading Helen McDonald's H's for Hawk um, which was a big book a couple of years ago and it was recommended to me by a lot of different people uh, and people whose uh, whose taste in books I really um, trust. Uh, and so, you know, I finally got around to picking it up as part of this book club and um, reading it, I can really see why people did recommend it. It's beautiful. It's haunting. It, it totally defies genre. You know, on, 
at one moment, it's this memoir about training a hawk in the wake uh, of, of the author's father's death. Uh, it's also a history of falconry, uh, a history of British falconry specifically. Um, it, there's a lot of literary analysis of other books, so there's a, a significant amount of literary criticism that's present in this book, um, and, and lots more. Uh, the it's really impressive work on the part of McDonald. For for uh, for my part, I've been in reading it. It's totally brought me back to this adolescent fascination I had with Birds of Prey uh, when I was I, I don't know. I want to say around thirteen or fourteen years old. Um, my family took a road trip uh, to Wyoming to Yellowstone, uh, and it you know it's totally one of those road trips that you could have. Uh, written a movie about. There were five of us in this Toyota Camry station wagon. I think we brought the dog. Maybe not. Uh, It felt like we brought the dog with us. Um, But there were five of us in this car. My uh, youngest brother was just uh, maybe 18 months old, so wedged between my sister and me in, uh, in a car seat and at the time, he was super into Rafi, uh, so we listened to just a, a, an obnoxious amount of children's music, uh, although thankfully he was also uh, a Bob Marley fan already at that point, so there was some good music along the way. Uh, but anyway, on this road trip, uh, I remember coming back from it with all these uh, posters of birds of prey, of eagles and, and hawks and falcons of various sorts, and just being amazed by these birds. They're like total wildness to them. And, uh, you know, I think there's something very dinosaur-like that they spoke to uh, to, to me as an adolescent boy. Um, and so I've, reading H's for Hawk, it's really brought me back to that. I find myself looking up at the sky a whole lot. Uh, I've been, you know, as you drive up uh, 101 north of San Francisco, there's a lot of opportunity to see Uh, different kinds of hawks sitting up on uh, the telephone wires along the side of 101. I've seen those. Um, Also on a recent very early morning walk with uh, board chair Russell Cohen. Hi, Russell, if you're listening. Um, We saw, in addition to a coyote, which was both a little scary and very cool, we also saw an owl sort of ghosting around the top of Twin Peaks. Uh, which was very neat. And this book has really given me uh, new eyes and looking at all these different um, birds out there and reminded me of uh, how much I've enjoyed uh, birds of prey in over the years. Um, but yesterday, actually, the reason that I wanted to bring up H's for Hawk is I was sitting um, at, in Yom Kippur services at the kitchen yesterday, um, and it was, uh, we had never been to the kitchen before, and, and I know uh, that the kitchen's sort of primary uh, space, uh, meeting space, is really um, Shabbat services, Friday night and Saturday morning services. Uh, but we were very curious to see what Yom Kippur looked like at the kitchen. So we went there. It was a great time, uh, really prayerful and thoughtful. And um, in in her sermon, uh, Rabbi Kushner, Noah Kushner, uh, gave a sermon on the topic of Hineni, which translates uh, to here I am. And uh, in the Torah, it's the response that um, 
Abraham gives to God when God asks, uh, calls his name right before uh, he thinks he is going to sacrifice his son. Um, uh, and it's also the response that Moses gives when uh, his name is called uh, as he is standing and looking at the burning bush. It's a really significant phrase in the Bible, and, and it, it, there's been a lot thought about it and a lot written on it. It's one that we really do think about often on Yom Kippur around, um, you know, fully being present uh, as, as human beings and to our own failures and to our, uh, you know, hopes for the year ahead. Um, but Rabbi Kushner's drash was a lot about the moment uh, in Genesis when um, Adam is called by God uh, after eating the forbidden fruit, and and he is unable to answer Hineni. He doesn't answer in that way, um, and and you know the uh, rabbis over the years have hypothesized that that's because he's ashamed, that he's hiding. Um, in her drash, Rabbi Kushner invited the community to reflect on how each of us is hiding um, from ourselves and from each other. And, you know, what power there might be uh, in being fully present and saying, here I am to the world. And um, subsequent to writing this, someone pointed out to me that there's a connection this year between Yom Kippur and National Coming Out Day and that there is, uh, in particular, uh, a, a, a power in being able to be fully present, um, you know, as... Uh, you know, regardless of your sexuality, and I'm thankful every day to live in a community where that uh, where that is the case. You know, and that example is set for our children. Um, Rabbi Kushner's Yom Kippur sermon, though, brought me back to a moment in H's for Hawk when uh, Helen McDonald is struggling with uh, a deep depression, and and in that moment she is finally able to break through and really talk to a doctor. And, and right then she writes. Uh, Helen, we can help you, he says in a low voice. We really can. There's a kind of tingling astonishment when I hear his words. It's something like hope. I start to sob. In this moment, MacDonald is able to fully own her hurt, her need, her unsteadiness, which she'd really been working to bury in her work with the hawk. She's saying, here I am in all of my brokenness. And in doing so, she's able to ground herself once again in her humanity. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel wrote on the same moment in the Torah, that moment with Adam and Eve and God, uh, in his book, God in Search of Man. Uh, and it's, it's really this moment when we're called to attention. He writes, quote, When living true to the wonder of the steadily unfolding wisdom, we feel at times as if the echo of an echo of a voice were piercing the silence, trying in vain to reach our attention. We feel at times called upon, not knowing by whom, against our will, terrified at the power invested in our words, in our deeds, and in our thoughts. This, I think, is the ultimate work of raising young people in the Jewish tradition, to help them see the humanity in themselves and in each other so that they can be not terrified by the power of their words, deeds, and thoughts, as Heschel wrote, and rather use that power for the good of the world. And to do this work, it's hard. It's really hard because it asks all of us as adults to model the same, to announce to ourselves and to each other that we are here in all of our brokenness, 
to see our own and each other's humanity. This is really hard work. I was actually in the car uh, with our director of admissions, Tanya Lowenthal, today coming back from a really uh, lovely preschool visit. And we were talking about uh, how difficult this is to really not just see, but, but allow space for someone else's humanity and somebody else's brokenness uh, as you are engaging with them, as you are talking to them. And, and there was a whole other section to this word of the week that I had thought about writing that was about how this gets especially difficult uh, in the context of social media and, and the, the kind of digital mediation of our social relationships. Um, but it's really hard uh, because, in particular, we have to not just do this in those shining moments when the sunlight breaks through and is shining down upon us and in that particular uh, beatific way, but in the most difficult ones, when we're most struggling to see ourselves and to see our children and to see each other, because those are the moments that most call for a recognition uh, of the humanity of uh, of the other, you know, and of ourselves, and of ourselves, and I think um, I think that is uh, that is what we're working on in um, in this work of uh, you know talking about uh, chesed of radical kindness of of truly uh, uh, having compassion for and recognition of uh, another human being. Uh, and it comes down to, ultimately, I think all of this comes down to uh, a deep empathy, right? So uh, we might describe it more as rachamim than chesed, more as compassion than kindness. But I think both of those are centered around a recognition of other viewpoints, of where another person is standing right at this moment, uh, what is going on in their minds and in their hearts and souls, um, and, you know, so that that's the work we're doing. And so with that, I thought it only right to end today, uh, once again, in honor of uh, the great Bob Dylan uh, and his reminder to all of us that we always did feel the same. We just saw it from a different point of view. Uh, tangled up in blue, my friends, tangled up in blue. So with that, I wish you all uh, a joyful, restful weekend, Shabbat, uh, Sukkot coming up. Um, Hope to see uh, some of you out at the uh, Urban Adama Sukkot Festival um, at their new site. We will be there on Sunday and uh, have uh, a wonderful weekend, my friends. Thanks for spending some time with us.